0: A massive energy overhaul bill is advancing in the General Assembly, putting Illinois on a path to 100% carbon-free energy by 2050. But does the bill really do what its supporters say it will? We'll try to answer that question on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock and I'm here with our State House Bureau Chief, Jerry Nowicki. Last week, we talked about the one-day special session that lawmakers held when they took a second swipe at legislative redistricting. Also that day, the Illinois Senate passed a massive energy overhaul bill that was aimed at weaning the Illinois power industry off of carbon-emitting fossil fuels. This week, the House came back for another one-day session of its own to take up that energy legislation, and they ended up passing a slightly different version of the energy bill. Here's House Speaker Emmanuel Chris Welch, a hillside Democrat, talking about what the bill does. This
1: bill provides a clear path to reducing our carbon emissions. It puts Illinois on a clear timeline to a greener economy. It makes significant investments in the development of renewable energy. It protects jobs and people in your communities.
0: So, Jerry, you have been covering this in pretty extensive detail. Uh, Can you talk to us specifically about what the bill does and whether or not that quote there from Speaker Welch is an accurate representation?
2: We're going to have to watch it play out is really what it comes down to because the main thing this bill does is invests in many different areas in terms of job growth, but in terms of uh, I think there's a $360 million roughly annual uh, increase to what uh, ratepayers are paying uh, into a pot that funds renewables. So that's the real big thing here: is that there's going to be just a massive amount of money infused into putting more solar uh, farms up and wind farms up, and just really focusing on increasing that part of our energy mix. So that that's the big thing. I think that was what supporters of the path to 100. Um, Uh, effort that they called it that's what the one thing they were focusing on but then you also have this increased uh, sort of subsidy or investment in nuclear power to make sure we're not taking nuclear offline because right about now I think it's roughly 60 percent maybe a little bit less than that of Illinois's energy mix is nuclear power and then it's only seven or eight for renewables. So with that money, you're really making it so that, that you can focus on those carbon-free emissions. But um, as we'll hear later, there's some questions about the reliability of it, and there are some provisions in the bill that, that could allow fossil fuels uh, to stay online longer than the uh, timelines outlined in this bill if, if there are grid reliability questions. Okay,
0: and that was one of the most difficult parts to negotiate is the fact that it uh, the bill calls for phasing out coal-fired and natural gas-fired power plants by, what, about 2045?
2: Yeah, from um, from 2030 to 2045, there will be various gas plants and oil and whatever else plants going offline, depending on the ownership sh- ship structure, whether it's municipal, whether it's privately owned, but that that's the timeline.
0: Okay, so we're shutting down coal and gas plants, theoretically, subsidizing nuclear plants, and funding all kinds of incentives for renewable energy development. Republicans weren't buying the idea that there will be enough renewable energy to replace all of the coal and gas, especially in downstate Illinois. Uh, You talked about the nuclear plants, which are primarily the Chicago area and northern Illinois. Uh, Let's listen to Springfield Republican Representative Tim Butler talking about that.
1: When you turn off these power plants in southern Illinois, and mind you, MISO, the power grid that covers most of Illinois geographically, when you turn off these power plants, we're going to be getting power from that coal plant I saw just across the river in Indiana last week, that coal plant that I saw just across the river in Kentucky last week. 50% of the energy generated by MISO comes from coal. You're not doing what you think you're doing with this bill.
0: Okay, so there was a lot of concern about whether or not you can get enough energy out of wind and solar, especially here in Illinois, uh, to replace all of the coal and uh, coal and natural gas energy. Uh, how does how do the proponents of the bill respond to that? Uh, what are the provisions in the bill to deal with it?
2: Yeah. So every five years, there uh, I think it's the Illinois Commerce Commission and the Illinois EPA and one other uh, entity. Uh, They're there to look at grid reliability and see if we're producing enough energy to power the lights and whatnot. So I had asked uh, Leader Jay Hoffman, who is one of the lead negotiators, and his uh, the Prairie State uh, Energy Campus, which is another coal plant like uh, the City Water Light Power that is in Representative Butler's district that uh, uh, has to go offline by 2045 under the bill. And uh, I think you'll play a clip of that shortly, but essentially he said – that that's what they're doing, is looking at it every five years.
0: Okay, let's listen to Representative Jay Hoffman. Uh, You were asking him whether or not these concerns were legitimate. I think it's
1: it's very legitimate, and so we built that into the bill. There, There are reliability checkpoints every five years. That was very important to all of us because we want the lights to go on, we want the heating and air conditioning to work.
0: Okay, so they're going to do these checks every five years, uh, and if there's not enough renewable energy coming online, am I understanding this right, that they'll, they will extend the life of the coal and gas plants?
2: Yeah, they, they might pick or choose. I asked that point blank as a follow-up question, and Representative Robin Gable told me, yeah, they'd, they'd have to consider that. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of there was a lot of emphasis put on those closing dates but there is a little bit of flexibility too and uh, lawmakers have said all along we sort of re-examine en- energy every five years or so so five years from now i bet you exelon's coming back and looking for further subsidies because they've, they've getting the $694 roughly, whatever it is, for five years. So there's going to be a a reexamination of this, uh, certainly, as we go along. But the big thing is that there's going to be a boom in in renewable energy uh, projects with with the added funding that they're uh, putting for renewable energy credits.
0: Okay, and so in addition to that, I guess they're anticipating... A lot of people who currently work in the coal industry, at coal-fired power plants, at natural gas plants, they will be displaced, and they will have to find work elsewhere. Uh, And there were efforts to make sure that uh, the jobs were available uh, to lots of different communities, especially communities that have been hard hit by pollution uh, from the fossil fuel industry. Talk a little bit about uh, what, what those provisions do.
2: Yeah, so the, they call that part of uh, the displaced coal workers and whatnot, they call that the just transition piece. Um, they're really looking to, uh, well, when it comes down to it, the bill invests $180 million in that uh, aspect of it, which is workforce training programs, incubators for small uh, uh renewable groups and and really trying to increase equity with certain training programs and access to capital and and other types of just just there are program after program for, for stuff like this. It's really hard to sort of quantify it all mentally as you read through the thousand page bill and whatnot. So, but the other thing I should note on here is, is what we're uh, anticipating for the cost of all this. And, you know, I've mentioned a lot of programs, a lot of nuclear, solar, whatever investments and the workforce initiatives. So, um, there have been varying estimates, but what the bill negotiators and Senate and House believe is it's about 3 to 4% increase on the average ratepayer bill. It'll be, I think, about... Five or six percent for a business on their bill and more than seven percent on an industrial bill, which the Illinois Manufacturers Association says that's a major increase when you consider what big uh, portion of a manufacturer's overhead is energy. That's a that's a major increase to what they're dealing with.
0: Okay, and so we still come back to that question, though, about whether or not this is actually going to happen. And on Friday, we had a chance to talk uh, very briefly with Governor Pritzker, and I asked him about the fact that we have this schedule for phasing out fossil fuel plants, but there is not a hard and fast schedule for bringing new green energy projects online and whether or not there could be a mismatch between the timing of the two, and are we just sort of Banking on the idea that if we subsidize it, they will come. Let's listen to what Governor Pritzker said.
1: There is a great deal of interest, certainly in uh, in the energy community and the clean energy community, in coming to Illinois because of the bill that was passed. So, when you say you know hoping, uh, there's been a lot of discussion with many of those companies. They have a great interest in whether Illinois is a clean energy state because. Well, they think that they're going to come here and do business here and i think that's good for our state
0: okay so he seems very optimistic that this can happen uh we did get some statements uh as soon as this bill passed thursday night a lot of statements came through from people saying they supported it Uh, the governor is expected to sign it if and when it reaches his desk but it has to go through one more hoop uh still has to be passed by the senate because this is not the same version of the bill that the Senate passed. Uh, what are we expecting from the Senate?
2: Yeah, it certainly sounds like uh, they were included in those negotiations as they progressed with the House. I mean, they it, it, it'd be kind of crazy to think that the House just negotiated this just for the Senate not to. Anything can happen, but it, it's certainly sounding like the Senate will get on board um, the one thing I do want to note is the, the the environmental piece to this that we kind of gloss over when you look into all these nitty-gritty and all the programs that in states and and just the wide-ranging scope of it is is you had the uh, lawmakers, the environmental groups that stood up here and said, you know, our climate can't wait. Really, on this, um, you know, we're seeing the effects of global climate change across the world, and Illinois has to do its part not only to decrease uh, carbon emissions, but also just set an example over the type of legislation other states can uh, enact to to get something like this moving and to to sort of uh, accelerate that shift to renewables. And And the main thing, when it comes down to it, uh, this is America. It comes down to investment, it comes down to money, and three hundred and sixty million dollars a year is is a lot of money.
0: It certainly is. Uh, And so the Senate is coming back on Monday the 13th. Is that what we expect?
2: Yep, that's what we expect. Uh, We'll be here. Um, Certainly govern it.
0: And it may be short or it may be long. Before we go, however, we want to take a moment to acknowledge that this week marks the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. None of us who are old enough to remember that day will ever forget where we were when we heard the news or the sorrow we felt over the senseless loss of life. We also will never forget the heroism of the firefighters and other first responders who came to people's aid at the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. On Friday, September 10th, Governor Pritzker, along with many, many firefighters and their families, marked the occasion by laying a wreath at the Firefighters Memorial on the State House grounds in Springfield. Here's a little bit of what the governor had to say.
1: Twenty years ago tomorrow, the heroism of our nation's first responders became universally understood by every American. Thank God for our first responders, many of whom gave their lives that day. Today we are here to honor some of our state's most heroic public servants, united as much by their courage to serve as their bond to their colleagues and communities. We all live in a safer world because our firefighters respond to our community's most daunting emergencies unwaveringly and unselfishly. They run toward danger so others can run for safety. They risk injury so others can survive. They endure trauma to alleviate ours.
0: And with that, we'd like to extend our own thanks to all the first responders out there who keep us safe, as well as all the service members who continue to protect our country. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock with Jerry Nowicki saying stay safe and thank you for listening.